This is Anchor Points with Robert Quintana. God wants us to be happy. Every week, helping you discover the answers to some of life's biggest questions. There is a purpose for our lives. And applying them to help you grow closer in your walk with God. Messages straight from the pulpit of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Feel free to discover more like this at AriseForGod.com. There's a story of a ship that was sinking in the middle of a storm. And the captain called out to the crew and said, Does anyone here know how to pray? One man stepped forward and said, Yes, sir, I know how to pray. The captain said, Wonderful. You pray while the rest of us put on life jackets. We're one short. When life gets hard, where do you put your trust? When we actually have to step out and trust that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do, we put our hands behind our backs and say, no, no, I, I, I want to see someone first go and do it. That's Robert Quintana. And today he begins a new series of messages that will help you discover where to put your trust in difficult times by looking at how the example of a Babylonian exile named Daniel nearly 3,000 years ago still resonates today as he shares part one of In God We Trust. You know, I'd like for all of you, and I promise this is not another offering call, uh, but I'd like for all of you to pull out some change or some dollar bills, $5 bills. Can you pull out some money? Oh man, you guys are spent out. I, I, I really need you to do this. <laughs> Come on, I, I need you to pull out some dollar bills here. Pull out some uh, coins do you have a coin? Can I see that? What, what is that? Is that a penny? Yeah. Well, look what it says right here on the very top of uh, Abe's head. It says, in God we trust. That, can you find that in, in most of your currency, if not all? I know it's on a nickel. I know it's on a quarter. All of our currency. In God we trust. And I, I am excited. I mean, I am happy that our currency still says in God we trust. But I have to tell you, there is a part of me that is surprised that we still have in God we trust on our currency. I, I mean, am I off base here? I mean, as I look around this nation and I see what people are putting their trust in, it surprises me. There is a part of me that is surprised that we still say, in God we trust. But you know, even as I look at our churches across uh, North America, I wonder, are we trusting in God? As, as a denomination, as congregations, are we trusting in God? Or are we trusting in our own abilities, in our own resources? As I bring it closer to home, I look at our church families, I look at our individual families, and I ask myself the same question, are we trusting in God the way we should? And if we were to take it to a personal level, and now you can ask yourself this question, am I trusting in God as I should? You know, it's easy for us to say, yeah, we trust in God. If I was to ask you guys, do you trust in God? It would be very easy for everyone to say, yeah, of course I trust in God. But do we really in the way that we live out our lives? 
Does the name Nick Walenda ring a bell? He's the guy that just um, crossed the Grand Canyon on a tightrope. Does that ring a bell? Did anyone get to see that feat, that spectacular, unbelievable feat where he was the first man to put a tightrope across the Grand Canyon and then walk? There was this angle, this video um, angle that they had where it was a camera from the canyon floor and it was zoomed up on Nick when he was about halfway across the Grand Canyon. And then the camera started to pull back. It gave you a wider and wider angle. And pretty soon you couldn't even see Nick in the sky. That's how big the Grand Canyon is. And this man with no harness, with no safety net, he walked across the Grand Canyon on a tightrope. You can Google it. You can YouTube and see this. Nick also was one of the brave, one of the few that has done the Niagara Falls tightrope. But he wasn't the first to do Niagara Falls. There have been several guys before him that did Niagara Falls. One that I remember in particular, he was known by the name of Blondin. Blondin. Any of you remember Blondin? No? Well, it's a good thing because it was late 1800s. (laughs) Late 1800s, Blondin was an incredible man. Not only would he walk across the tightrope on the Niagara Falls, but he would sometimes run across. And he would bring crowds from all around the world. And people would watch in amazement as he would do tricks and as he would do jumps and he would do all this stuff. Well, one time he came out with this barrel. And the wheel on the barrel resembled what you would see on a train. So it kind of went, you know, around the wire like this. And it was a barrel. And so he asked the question, how many of you think that I can wheelbarrow a man across Niagara Falls on the tightrope? And everybody in the audience went, yeah. We believe in Blondin. You can do it. You can do it. And then he said, all right, I need a volunteer. And just as fast as those hands went up, they came down. And no one volunteered. No one volunteered. But sometimes that's the case with us and God. How many of you trust God? Oh, we trust God. But then When our faith is put to the test, when we actually have to step out and trust that God is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do, we sit down. The hand comes down. We put our hands behind our backs and say, no, no, I want to see someone first go and do it. This series is going to help us understand how we can build our trust in God. Not just say that we trust in God, but actually build our trust in God. And that's what this series is going to be about. Starting today and for the next several weeks, we're going to look at stories in Scripture. We're going to look at biblical principles to try and understand how it is that I can increase my trust in God. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 6. Here is one of the great men of God, 
A man that when you think of in the context of trust, you think, yeah, Daniel was one of those guys that trusted in God through the thick and thin. Daniel chapter 6, starting with verse 1, one of the great stories of Scripture, one that we've been reading since we were a little kid for, for a lot of us. Starting with verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Think about this for just a second. That Daniel was one of three that was overseeing the whole kingdom. You need to remember where Daniel came from. Daniel was not a Babylonian. He was taken captive into Babylon when he was a young man. And the Babylonians had this theory, which is even used in today's day and age, that you take the youngest, the brightest minds, the best good looking, you train them in your ways, and then you set them back out to govern the kingdom. And so by doing, they gain favor with those that you have taken captive and they gain favor and bring, win people over to the Babylonian way. And so Daniel was one of those that was chosen when he was young to be educated in their schools, to learn their language, to learn their customs. And you might remember in Daniel chapter one that it says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself and that he would stay true to the principles of God, the God of Israel. And so now here, many years later, God has blessed him tremendously. He has excelled beyond measure. We're going to read that here in just a second. But we see how God has blessed Daniel and has used Daniel so much so that he is now one of three individuals that is overseeing the entire kingdom. That is huge. And it says here in verse 3, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. He had a spirit of excellence. This is, by the way, a spirit that I hope we all are, are longing for, a, an excellent spirit. One that says, I'm not just going to do things halfway. No, I'm going to give my best to God. And so this was the attitude that Daniel had. God blessed him. And it says here in verse 4, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Wouldn't that be a nice reputation to have of you, whether at the workplace or at school, that if someone's trying to find dirt on you, they can't? That is the kind of attitude and character that we all should be striving for. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. In other words, they understood that Daniel's number one priority in life was God. 
I have put my trust in him and I will follow his laws and his principles and then I will serve mankind. I will serve. And as long as there's no difference, as long as there's no contradiction, I will serve those around me. I will obey the king's laws as long as they don't contradict God's laws. So we continue. It says here in verse 6, so these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. It's actually a pretty smart move on their part. Smart not in in that it was right what they were doing, but smart in that they were now going to get their way. They wanted to get Daniel out of the way. They wanted to eliminate him. Daniel was a threat to them. And so they were trying to figure out how can we get Daniel out of the way here. Let me tell you, folks, that if you strive for excellence and you keep God number one in your life, All the powers on this earth will not stop God from doing what he wants to do in you and through you. You need to understand that. We sometimes get overwhelmed with what's going on around us. We sometimes think, I can't believe that this is happening, but you need to rise above it. And you need to understand and believe that if I'm standing on principle, if I'm standing on the word of God, then God will fulfill his purpose for And through you, you need to understand that. And so here we have Daniel being set up. The king is being set up. We're going to read here in just a second how the king did not desire this, really. He did not know the consequences. He didn't think things through thoroughly. It says here in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now let's pick up the story in verse 12. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the dens of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives of Judah, so you can see their resentfulness, their anger that have been building up for years. Who is this guy, this Israelite, this this guy from Judah? He's not even one of us. And look how he's just rising to the top. What's going on here? They were mad. They were upset. They wanted to get him out of the way. And it says here that uh, they answered, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petitions three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him 
and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. The king did everything that he could within his power to try and deliver Daniel from the lion's den. But they had trapped him. He was caught between a rock and a hard place. In his eyes, there was nothing that he can do. The law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be altered. It cannot be broken. And I made this decree. Therefore, we have to follow through with this decree. He was so disturbed by this. Verse 15, then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Wow. You recognize who this is coming from, right? This is coming from King Darius, a Babylonian king. He is now putting his trust, not in man-made laws. He is now putting his trust in God. And that is only made possible because of the trust that he had seen in Daniel. It says here in verse 17, Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. I want you to just picture what's going on here. Most likely, what we've been able to discover or kind of put together by archaeological finds is that most likely this lion's den was on the side of a hill or of a mountain. And so the gate or the entrance to the lion's cage would have been on the side of the hill. But on the top of the hill, or on the top of this knoll, there was an entrance. They created somewhat of a tunnel where they would lower people down into the lion's den. Anyone who disagreed with the king or broken some law or deserved the death penalty would be lowered by a rope down to the lion's den. And so you can imagine this scene. Imagine what's going on. Here the king doesn't want to do this, but yet he feels as though he's being forced to. Maybe he was crying. Maybe there were tears in his eyes. Maybe he was sucking it up and trying to to look brave and in control. and, And maybe he was able to hold it all back. But here, deep down inside, you can tell that the king is trusting that God will come through for Daniel. It's interesting to me that the book of Daniel here never tells us anything about what Daniel was going through. We, we don't get the impression that he was sad or that he was upset or that he was scared. We get the opposite impression, that Daniel was like, all right, okay, if this is what you want to do, that's fine. You know why? Because my life is in his hands. I, I am trusting in God, that God's will will be done. Don't forget something that happened a few chapters before this with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going through the fiery furnace. I wonder if Daniel thought back to that experience and said, you know what? If God can rescue, if God can save at the fiery furnace, surely he can save me from the mouths of the lion. And so here we continue reading in verse 18. 
Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. It says in verse 19, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when the, he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. He put his life totally in the hands of God. He trusted in God and God came through for him again. So the question for us is, what was it about Daniel's life that allowed him to have such trust in God? Because if this series is about helping us increase our trust, then what was it about Daniel's life that allowed him to trust so much, with so much, what was it about his life? All right? So this series, we're going to be looking at several things that will help grow our trust in God. But for today, I want to share with you the first one. I'd like for you to read verses 10 and 11 with me. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since what? Since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. So here it is. Prayer increases trust. Prayer increases your trust in God. The more time you spend in prayer, the greater of a chance you will have to have trust in him. And here is how this works, okay? Prayer is simple. I know that we complicate things you know, I oftentimes hear people say, well, I, I don't know how to pray or I don't know what to pray for. or I don't have time to pray. We, we complicate prayer. Let, let me just, just boil it down. Prayer is simply communicating with God as with a friend. Okay. And, and for those of you that think, well, I don't have time. No, you have time all day to pray. You're driving down the road. Turn off the radio. Spend time in communion with God. Spend time praying with him. Now, I've had a sermon series on prayer, and you can access that on our website where, you, where we go more into detail about the benefits of prayer and how we can pray and what we can pray and where we should pray. But today's point is very simple. The more you pray, the greater trust you will have in God. Now, I need to warn you. When you watch the video of Nick Walenda walking across the uh, Grand Canyon on a tightrope. 
you might be surprised to realize that he is a devout Christian. Now, did anyone here see the video? Did anyone hear what he was saying the whole time he was crossing that tightrope? All he said is, praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Look at this view. It's amazing. Thank you, God creator. I don't know that I would have been saying that. I would have been hanging on for dear life. But God, look how awesome you are. Dear God, you are the creator of the universe. I need you to make these winds die down a little bit more. Dear Jesus, I give you all the praise. I give you all the glory. The entire time Nick crossed this tightrope, he was praying to God. I think that that prayer increased his trust in God. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to make prayer an integral part of our lives. And you will see that as you do that, your trust in God will strengthen. It will grow. It will be the kind of trust that isn't there just during the good times. It's the kind of trust that will be there even through the bad times of life. So can we all commit here today that we're going to spend more time in prayer, that we're going to look of ways of praying more, making prayer more exciting in our lives. Can I get a commitment from you that we're going to spend more time in prayer? You've been listening to Anchor Points with Robert Quintana and part one of In God We Trust. If you would like to hear or share this message and find others like it, you can subscribe to our podcast at ariseforgod.com or by searching Anchor Points on iTunes. You can also follow Anchor Points on Facebook. Now, here's what you'll hear next week. When you serve, it is like exercising your trust in God. And what happens? Your trust strengthens. Next week, Robert Quintana continues this series of messages and shares the next step that will help you continue to have a greater trust in God in your everyday life with part two of In God We Trust. We appreciate you listening. This program is produced by Word of Mouth Productions in cooperation with Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church. And remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.